Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the MMA Archive. As you can see, we got something new coming on here. Um, I already spoke to you guys about the most recent event, Pride FC 1. I'm hype as hell for that. Um, but we're going to be talking about this week's event, too. Um, so this is the first time I'm doing this. I'm really excited to sort of preview the show, get to see what we're going to what we're going to get into this week. Usually I'm looking only back. Now it's time to look forward a little bit. So it's only right that I get somebody on the show to help me out and do that. I got my boy Marty here, MMA Wiz on Twitter. Please give me your handle exactly and let them know where to find you. Thank you. Thank you. So my handle on Twitter is at MMA Wiz. That's two Z's with Wiz. Uh, my actual name is Madi. I am a sports better enthusiast, analyst. I've uh, been do in the game for about four years now, uh, mainly betting on MMA. Uh, I would probably say majority being UFC. I've grown <laughs> apart from Bellator and PFL and all those lately just because the level of competition is a little harder to predict. But uh, yeah, super excited to be on the show and uh, ready to break these fights down for you guys. For sure, man. Awesome. So uh, first thing I always want to ask our guests is whenever they come on, what got you into MMA? And ever since you got in, like, did it consume you? Because that's how it was for me. So for me, when I was younger, surprisingly, I was really scared to fight to even if you think about the idea of fighting. Uh, I actually grew up overseas in the Middle East, where fighting was just a day to day thing. People would fight and then they'll just be friends the next day. So you kind of have to get used to it. Um, moved to Cali and uh, I trained mixed martial arts, kickboxing, Muay Thai and uh, jujitsu for a couple years, mainly kickboxing. And that's what uh, got me into MMA. Uh, for my first event was the, it was DC. Oh man, it's been so long. <laughs> well it, it's probably been over three four years uh that's when i started watching ufc and getting into it and i used to just be a casual would watch the fights every weekend uh, if i had the time or if i wasn't at work and then it slowly grew into uh something that became more analytical for me to really try and predict these fights and obviously i wasn't betting back then i was too young and um and then I, my friend was betting on these fights on different sports, basketball and baseball. And he was like, hey, you every time I watch fights with you, you predict a decent amount of them. Right. Why don't you try and like make some money off of this? And that's what piqued my interest. And he got me an account with his bookie. And uh, since then, I've been guns blazing <laughs> every nice. single event. That's super dope, man. Super dope. So I'm going to I'm going to have uh, you guys should be able to see it right now. Just a photo of your picks from last week up uh, just so we could talk a little bit about that before we get into this week's picks. So obviously you, you mentioned too. just explain the, the color coding, explain um, what what is labeled as what just so the viewers have a better idea. And then talk to me a little bit about your process, how you decide which fight you're going to put the most on, et cetera. Gotcha. So looking back at last week, last week's event was uh, another great event this year. Uh, we've been running pretty hot to start off the, the year. Now, the X's on the fighters' pictures are who I projected to lose. This is beforehand, uh, before the event even started, so I didn't even mark that. 
Then um, the highlighted pictures I actually highlighted after the event was over to show the winners of that fight. And as you guys can see under the uh, Perez versus Martinez fight, I actually highlighted the name. That was highlighted before the card started as my <clears throat> bet of the night or most confident pick of the night. And as we saw, Martinez won, kind of scared me in that <laughs> first round when he got dropped. But uh, overall, that fight was, it was a banger, very technical in terms of keeping distance and uh, just that's a Jonathan Martinez fight. <laughs> Very tactical and calculated. So I, I wanted to ask, dude, because whenever I'm looking at these cards, I feel like a lot of the times the odds sort of really determines how I make these plays. And sometimes mm -hmm. it's for the best. Sometimes it's for the worst. Like I, I get a little bit too influenced by the odds and trying to trying to find good value. Um, so in that Jonathan Martinez, Alejandro Perez matchup, what was it about it? Was it what you saw on tape? Was it the, the odds? What, what drew you towards it to want to put the most on that one? Good question. So Jonathan Martinez has always been a fighter that I like to watch just for the sheer fact that he is one of the few fighters that really knows how to keep uh, their distance and knows their range and understands it really well. In round one, he got a little sloppy, but as you guys saw in round two and three, it's like Perez couldn't even catch him. Even though Martinez didn't have the most output through his hands, it was mainly kicks, but round two and round three, Perez was just playing catch up and the overall spread just got wider and wider and wider. That's why we saw Perez try and go for those Hail Marys in round three and try to just play catch up. He ran after him, just couldn't catch him though. Mm -hmm. uh, for me, when it comes to picking these fights, obviously a lot of people like to bet on the favorites, especially those big favorites that show like minus 250, minus 300, because they're like, oh, if it's minus 300, almost guaranteed that he's going to win. That can be true at times, but also is very misleading at the same time. The reason why is because a lot of these odds makers try to lure these casual bettors in with those minus 300, minus 400 lines, but you don't really know the significance of the opponent, of that underdog. Why are they so, uh, why are they expected to lose that many times out of, say if they were to fight 100 times, they're expected to lose 99% <laughs> of them why is that and most of the time this is accurate but each fighter has a specific kind of like a if you if you were to play mortal Kombat, you have a special move that fatality each fighter has something in their toolkit that they can utilize very well very efficiently whenever they want and the key when it comes to betting on these underdogs and looking for value is matching these fighters up stylistically and watching this tape like say if for example the misha serkinov versus termin fight misha serkinov was my pick uh and let me down <laughs> to say the me least too. me too yeah <laughs> but if you if you were to look at termin's like wh why is termin a he was a plus 140 underdog uh when i bet so everyone's like, okay, why, why is Terman an underdog? Because he didn't have that solid uh, ground, not ground game. He didn't have the solid uh, stand-up. 
But when it comes to the ground game, we saw what he did. Immediate, immediate arm bar in that second round, which tore my soul apart. <laughs> me too i had a, it was the last leg of my parlay uh misha Serkinov, and, and that hurt so bad man i needed that too but yeah yeah i needed that for, for one of the best nights of betting in a while but it's okay we win some we lose some mm -hmm. and uh terman as we saw in his training camp he was training with the light heavyweight champ glover to share which further <laughs> pushes my confidence up in his ground game as we saw Teixeira submit for his belt. Mm -hmm. Now, Serkinov left himself very vulnerable in these ground game positions, and I saw that on his tape, but I didn't think Terman's ground game was going to improve that drastically. Now, what some people might have seen is that, okay, ground game is good, and I'll take the value on Terman. Even though it was just a plus 140, that's still value. Kind of like how I took Petrosian over Rodriguez. To me, Petrosian has a chin. Petrosian had the better stand-up game, more volume. I tend to go for fighters who have more volume and more output just because the judges love seeing that, whether they're significant strikes or just regular strikes. Judges love output. If you're a stationary fighter and you're going to get someone that's throwing a million punches a second, like, Colby Covington, just nonstop, relentless, uh, who are the judges going to favor? Yep. So that's that's how I kind of find value. Got you. That's really cool. Um, I, I, I'd find the same for myself, too. Like, when I was looking at the, at the film for that fight specifically, I don't know how you felt about it, but that Armin uh, versus uh, – <clears throat> oh, I forgot his first name uh, – Rodriguez Robocop. is his last yeah. name. The Robocop, yeah. When Gregory I was looking Rodriguez. at the at the film for those for that fight, I was like, this is going to be one of the best fights of the night because I, I know the way RoboCop fights. He comes forward. He's aggressive with his stand-up, even though you would think his, he's more centered to his ground game. And Armin, it can go forward and backwards. I think that's something that a lot of people really mm -hmm. discount. And um, when I was looking at that, I was like, yeah, it makes more sense to put the bet on Armin. Um, and then in the example, the other example you used, it's funny that one of them cashed for us and then the other one didn't. In yeah. the Misha Serkinov bout, I was looking at it like exactly like you did. I, I thought he had a better stand-up game. And I thought even if it came down to it, he was more live to catch a sub because I, I found that Wellington was really heavy on the wrestling, which is really good for winning rounds, almost like you were saying as well as considering the output. You got to mm -hmm. consider the, the wrestling as well, because wrestling and ground games, two different things. A lot of people tend to sort of lump them together, um, but it, it doesn't matter how good your ground game is if you can't get them to the ground. Um, so when it came to that matchup, I was like, I guess Misha's more live in the submissions as well. So why not pick Misha Serkinov? And then, of course, it came back to bite me at the end. Um, yeah. I don't think <laughs> I didn't see anyone confident. Um, betting on Wellington Terman. So if anyone out there was, shout out to you, you were able to get the, that, that great play. Um, but it always feels good to sort of look at certain matchups and be able to tell, not, not like who's going to win because anything can happen in MMA. Um, yeah. But for me, I try to think more so like, where's the value? If the line is really good, for example, when I first got into um, the first fight that I fight card I've ever bet on was the um, Ngannou versus Gon fight. And when okay. I was looking at that main event, I'm like, I, I think both of these guys are live. I think Gon's better technical fighter on the, on the feet. And at this point, we didn't know anything about 
the level of ground game that he's built over there is extreme couture but when i was looking at that fight i was like yeah of course gan has a better process so my my mind says let's bet on him but when i'm looking at the line francis was an underdog and especially a heavyweight it's hard for me to sort of value process over power when that division it matters the most um so i just try to find value in that way like are they underdog are they a favorite of course that matters but what is the matchup more so like those things both mm-hmm. matter equally to me couldn't have said it better couldn't have said it better that francis and surprisingly that francis and ganu versus gan fight was my biggest mma bet to date hmm. i i bet on uh, francis and ganu and multiple reasons i've actually watched francis and ganu's mma career from when he started in the ufc from the first fight all the way up until now and then obviously i went back and watched tapes from previous fights uh, before the ufc but what stood out to me was obviously power everyone knows that way more power but if you were gonna put cyril gone against france and ganu of two years ago oh my money would have been on gun he was not he wasn't patient he would have gassed after the first or second round and no ground game now we haven't seen Ngannou use his ground game like he did against gun but it really proved everyone wrong that counted him out when it comes to ground game training with the people that he's training with you can't count them out let it you can't say that he has never been training grappling or trained uh with high level grapplers because man he he proved it that night he proved it and uh hopefully m- the majority of the people majority of the audience here bet on Nganu or happily stayed out and not lost any money <laughs> for sure so it's really cool that we sort of set that baseline now the viewers get a sort of an idea of where we're where we're pulling these from because a lot of the times people look at the the sheet and you're like what why would you do that why would you do this and and looking forward to some of your picks for this card Mm-hmm. Um, I, I noticed that too, where I, I see a lot of bookies leaning in certain directions um, and, and you stood true to sort of the process versus um, the, the line kind of scenario. So interested to talk about that a little bit more as we go on, but um, we're going to go through this whole card. So I'm going to ask you for your picks, regardless of if you're going to play them or not. So just let us know off rip and then we'll mm-hmm. sort of go back and forth on that end as well. So. Our first fight of the night for this week, 272, obviously. We got Dustin Jacoby versus Mihal Oleg Sheshuk. Oh, I should, I, I got that one out pretty you got well. That pretty not close, gonna lie. yeah. Not gonna lie. <laughs> um, so for me, I'll start I'll start it off on this one. For me, this one's a tough one for me for many reasons, but I am high on Mihal. Not a lot of people are, and I understand that. Um, he's definitely you, you could argue in the wrong weight class. He's a little small for 205. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think he comes with big power at 205, which is very surprising, obviously, with, with his frame. And I really like his process as well on the feet. Um, obviously, Dustin Jacoby is a kickboxer. So, so you got some problems there. And a kickboxer with a really good chin, I might add. Uh, so it, it's harder. And that's why I'm sort of leaning towards Dustin Jacoby, even though I'm a fan of Michal. Um, but... What really does it for me, obviously, I, I don't know who's the favorite offhand, um, but I think I got to go with Dustin Jacoby because in the boxer versus kickboxer matchup, I think 
those kicks especially we saw that in the Robert Whitaker Israel Adesanya fight they oh, yeah. lean heavy on those kicks even if it may not seem to many that it's doing much obviously that process is oriented first so I think my pick would be Dustin Jacoby what about you I couldn't agree more now this is one, probably one of the best fights of the night off rip mm. I will tell you that Ola Jacek comes with ruthless power uh reckless at times i'll tell you that which is also another reason why i'm leaning jacoby but as you said jacoby has a chin jacoby is the favorite in this fight at minus 190 but you can never count out ola jacek it is value i'll tell you that but i'm leaning jacoby here just to the sheer fact of those kicks um he's a lot bigger and um I, i just think it gets the job done here pretty pretty easily for sure. The, the Anyak. I, lo- I love his nickname as well. Um, so are you going to actually be playing on this one or no? Yes, I'm going to be playing this one. Um, I already have one unit on Jacoby uh, straight up. I'm thinking of parlaying Jacoby with Agapova. Nice. That's, a, that's an interesting shout. I like that. I like that. Um, I wanted to ask you just because I, I've never defined this. I don't have a definition for my own. So it's always cool to ask uh, someone that's really into betting. What is a unit? How would you describe a unit to somebody? And Mm -hmm. sort of how does that help you measure your bets throughout the year? So a unit is, it's just like a, you can think of it as a dollar. Mm -hmm. Every time you bet, um, whether it's one unit to five units, there's just a measurement of how heavy you're going on that single bet. Everyone has their own definition of a unit. For me, one unit is $100. Okay. Some people have a unit as 10. Some people have 50. Some people are 1,000. Mm-hmm. So that that's what a unit is. It really has no definition. I mean, it would be a lot easier if, <laughs> to the newer betters if people would just put it in terms of dollar amounts. But I know some people just could be uncomfortable with that. Mm-hmm. Um, it also shows a significance because if I tell you, oh, I'm putting $5,000 on this fight, to some people that could be like, oh, damn, he's putting a lot. He's going heavy. He's really confident. And then to other people, it's like, well, how often do you bet $5,000 on a single bet? That's where the, the mental, the mentality of betting comes in. So I think unit is just a better way of representing how confident you are in something. Uh, if you were to go on a random, uh, cappers account on Twitter or betters account on Twitter and you see them constantly doing two unit or three unit bets and then all of a sudden he puts seven or eight units on this one bet it shows confidence mm-hmm. so for me I usually play around with two to three units and then more confident bets I go seven six eight anywhere there awesome thank you for defining that that's helpful for myself um so I really like that one. Um, of course, whenever you get a chance, I'm going to rate you in as uh, picking Dustin Jacoby as well. Um, and then whenever you're capping these, I'm just going to ask you because it looks like you got the lines. So for this mm-hmm. next one, Devontae Smith versus Ludovic Klein, what's your thoughts and what's the line? This fight, in the beginning, I thought I was going to uh, bet on Devontae Smith here. For the sheer fact, A, Ludovic Klein doesn't throw too much volume. And he's coming in on 10 days notice. Uh, it's not a good thing when you're in this sport. 
coming in on 10 days notice is not <laughs> the most fun thing to me. Uh, Devontae Smith is known to be a volume puncher. And we've seen Klein struggle with or struggle against fighters who throw a lot of volume. I do think Devontae Smith can pose a knockout threat. Uh, I'm not opposed to maybe sprinkling a little bit on the Devontae Smith by KO line. Uh, or if you want to pinpoint it down, I think it's going to happen in round two. Clip that in case it does happen. <laughs> uh, I'm staying off of this one, though. Uh, the odds, let's see, because I, I didn't even bother doing a deep dive into this one because I don't think I'm going to bet it. But the odds right now, uh, Devontae Smith is a minus 130 favorite right now. Okay. In some books, he's up to a minus 160, 170. Mm-hmm. So, and also, perfect question to ask you. Um, do you go line shopping? Is that something that you do often, trying to find a better line with different bookies, or, or do you yeah. usually stick to one? Yeah, I'm looking for the best value I can get. Um, obviously, if it's significant, like a, a 30 to, or even 20, 20 to 50 point move, then yeah, definitely. But if it's just 10, then it's 10 bucks. <laughs> yeah, I feel you. I feel you. Makes sense. I agree. I actually was thinking, when I was thinking about this fight, and, and don't shame me on this one, but I, I initially was like, I kind of want to, I kind of think you could put a flyer on Ludovic. And, and here's my, my sort of under, explanation of this. Obviously, he has the power. Volume isn't there. But I feel like he has more ways to win as far as mixing up the mixing up the fight, the level at which the fight is happening. Uh, so that's a, that's a reason why I sort of looked mm-hmm. at it that way. Uh, but I didn't even know he was coming in on short notice. So, so thank you for that okay. shout. Okay. I agree at that point. Um, I think it's good to go with Devonte Smith. I like his camp. Um, those, those guys always do a good job. Mark Montoya is a beast. Um, but at the same time, like you said, you gotta, you gotta take all those things into account. Uh, so I think I'm going to be going with Devontae Smith as well. You're not wrong. Now, initially, before I even knew this was a 10-day notice for Klein, on the same picture, I crossed out Devontae Smith. Hmm. This is just right after last uh, Saturday's event. I was pretty hyped. Good good night. I'm like, let me go check out the, the bout card for, for 272. And let me just put in early picks before I even take a look at the odds. And every single one of these fights are the same, the same exact um, checkoff that I did, except for that one. I had Klein initially, but then I found out he was on 10 days notice and it turned into like more leaning towards Smith, but it's a no bet for me. Now I did have that highlight red from (laughs) that first night as well with Agapova. That means I was going to parlay Smith with Agapova, but I'm, gonna just completely take that off now got you that's a good shout for sure um and then i I also want to talk to you a little bit about parlays too but i guess we'll do that when we get to that fight so next fight up we got tim elliott versus tagir ulambekov um first of all just hell of a matchup like i just want to say that off rip um i i a lot of people see two grapplers and like "Eh, me 
I get excited because the, these are these are the matchups where we're gonna see those scrambles. We're gonna see those fighting for position moments that in a matchup where striker versus grappler usually is just one guy dominating. Those are the fights where people are like, oh, do I really want to watch this? Mm-hmm. For me, I, when I see two grapplers, I'm like, let's let's go. Like we're gonna see their game and we're gonna watch those things sort of play out. Um, Tim Elliott's a funky guy, man. I love watching him fight. He does a lot of things that aren't traditional. And, and they work for him. Um, and he's going to need a lot of that, uh, obviously going up against a very strong grappler in, in his own right. Um, but something that I, when I was looking at this fight and sort of thinking about it, I think I'm a little bit Tim Elliott biased. I'll admit that off rip mm-hmm. just because I'm a fan of him, obviously coming back from fighting his way to the UFC again through the ultimate fighter. Um, but something that I found interesting sort of fantasizing about this matchup is, it's not a lot of uh, leg attacks from Tiger. It's a lot of sort of upper body clinching first and then going and attacking takedowns from there. And I feel like Tim Elliott in a matchup like that, um, you're not going to get those panic guillotines, which obviously he he usually loves going for. It's one of his best moves. Uh, but I find against in matchups sort of with more dominant wrestlers like that, um, he could end up in a in a situation where he's attacking a submission that just really isn't there over and over again. And and that could really end up costing you on the cards. So the more I think about this fight, the more I'm leaning Tim Elliott. Uh, but of course, I, I could understand both sides of it. But for my pick, I'm going Tim Elliott, man. Gotcha. Gotcha. Hey, I can't shy you off of that one. Uh, to me, though, Tim Elliott's a little bit too reckless. Mm-hmm. Um, as we saw in last... Uh, and Ulanbeko's last fight, he laid on the dude. <laughs> the guy couldn't get up, um, no matter what he did. Very grapple-heavy approach. Uh, <laughs> to me, it's, yeah, wrestler versus wrestler matchups are very tricky to cap. Uh, but for me, I'm very confident in this Ulanbeko pick here. Uh, just to the sheer fact, he's a better grappler. Uh, I think he's better on the feet stylistically. Uh, but you never know what Elliot comes at you with. That's the the X factor, as I'd like to say, the unknown. I'm still leaning Ulanbek up here, uh, probably by decision. Okay. And are you playing anything on it or no? Yes. So Ulanbekov, and as you can see, so Ulanbekov is in uh, highlighted in blue, and then I also have that Moro's Agapova fight highlighted in blue, with my pick being Agapova. So I'm going to parlay Ulanbeko with Agapova. Haven't locked it in yet, but I'm waiting for a couple numbers to change if it does. Okay. And then when you're looking at your parlay plays, what what are the the sort of categories that you want to have in these different legs? And and on average, what would you say is a good number? Because I know a lot of people like doing the eight game parlays. You got a whole bunch of different things that need to happen and you put a little bit of coin on it. Sort of how do you how do you rationalize what's going to be a parlay versus what's going to be a straight bet? So straight bet is going to be something that you're not ultimately like confident in. You're not 100% confident in. You're not um, very convinced that this fighter is going to win, uh, if that makes sense. I know I ramble a little bit with these explanations, but to me, I, I see a clear path to victory for Ulanbekov and then as we'll discuss in one fight, <laughs> Agopova. So to me, th- th- those two picks are are very solid for that night, especially Agopova. 
uh, I can't bring her her name up more. <laughs> gotcha. And then when it comes to how many or what unit size, to me, my bread and butter is two fighter parlays. Even though that's like, well, you're not getting too much out of it. You can parlay two decent favorites, like 200s or minus 300s, and you'll get almost even money. I love that. I don't have to put 300 to win 100 on these these people. I'd rather parlay them, get more value. And especially since I'm confident in them, I would definitely take that. Nice. That's a really good way to explain it. And and for me, I, I found that I'm trying to to justify making a parlay if it's less than two. So that, so that, well, if it's less than three, so that, that's a very good way to look at it for myself moving forward. You know, don't always try to hit the home run. Sometimes you got to get a couple ground balls too. I was literally about to say that you got to get the singles. Can't, not everything can be a home run. So two twos is you find yourself winning them a lot more just because a, it's obviously less fighters. And then B, you can just parlay the same. Like if you're a hundred percent confident in a fighter, which you should, uh, it's very rare where you're 100% confident different fights, kind of like how I did with Jonathan Martinez last weekend. That's a great, really good shout. So <clears throat> next up, I'll let you preview this one first because I got a lot of thoughts on this one. Uh, we got mm-hmm. Brian Kelleher versus Umar Namagomedov. Okay, so... <clears throat> Nurmagomedov being the heavy favorite here at minus 670. Uh, there probably is going to be no bet for me here unless I put Nurmagomedov as a third leg in a parlay. Mm-hmm. Uh, definitely leaning Nurmagomedov here for the obvious reasons that he's just such a dominant wrestler and Kelleher is more known for his stand-up game, his heavy power punches and volume. Uh, I think Keller is going to deal with a lot of trouble when it comes to getting up off of Nurmagomedov's takedowns. Uh, I haven't seen great ground game uh, or get-up game from Keller. Not that he's been posed with any threat of that kind before. Uh, I just think Nurmagomedov just wipes the floor with him. That's a great shout. Me personally, whenever I look at um, whenever I look at the the lines, especially with him specifically, I'm like, that's the Khabib bias. Like pe- people are like, oh, they see the last name and they're like, yeah, I'm I'm my money's on uh, Nurmagomedov, of course, and that's understandable. Um, but when I'm looking at the game, when I'm looking at the game of Umar, I I feel like he's susceptible to some of the things that Brian Kelleher does well, specifically that guillotine. Um, so when I'm when I'm looking at this fight, I agree with you. I, I'm not necessarily like I'm running to the window to play Brian Kelleher as a straight bet. That I don't feel that way, but I do feel like there is some value on a play like maybe Kelleher by submission or something that you mm-hmm. could get for very good odds. Uh, but also, in my opinion, is his route to victory. Um, so putting yourself in a position to sort of catch that lightning in a bottle, um, I. I personally don't think um, I'm, I wouldn't say my pick is Kelleher, um, but because of that factor, if I was betting on this one, I would stay away from it because there is that chance. Um, so it's mm-hmm. to look out for if that line's pretty good, you could put like a quarter unit or something really small on Brian Kelleher, obviously just for the hopes of that return. Keller by take by TKO or KO. Mm, that's a good shout too. Yeah. And what's the odds on that? Do you have it handy? 
I don't have that off the top of my head. No. Gotcha. But it's probably going to be in the 12, 1300s. Mm-hmm. Yeah, big, big odds on that. Yeah, yeah. so something to look out for. Because, yeah, you're uh-huh. right, especially in that Hunter Azure fight he showed. He 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 got some bombs in those he hands. Has, he has bombs. For sure, for sure. So next up, uh, something that we previewed a little bit, but I'm going to let you get started on this one. Uh, Mar- Marina Morose versus Maria Agapova. There's been some beef in this fight. It's been brewing for a couple months now. Uh, obviously, they used to train at the same camp at ATT. From what I understand, Maria has since left, and Marina has stood. Um, but yeah, a lot of shit talk, a lot of beef, a lot of animosity. Mm-hmm. Uh, what about this fight really has you leaning towards Agapova? I know this is recency bias, but Agapova's last fight was a sh- it was a clear, clear display of her striking uh like of her elite striking basically she showed that she is capable of keeping the distance and constantly just pouring down on her opponents uh, to me this is just a very clear winner in nagapova very confident in this one uh currently she's sitting at minus 200 uh one to two odds that's going to be my, you remember how I was explaining earlier, you can parlay something that you're really confident in multiple times. That's going to be the one for me. Agapova is going to be one of my heaviest leans on this card. Um, just, it was going to be Fazeev, but that fight's off, obviously. But Agapova, very confident here. I think Moros just can't catch up to her striking. Uh, she's going to be constantly pressured probably against the cage. Uh, I think Agapova might be able to pull off a TKO, uh, maybe late rounds, third round or late second. Uh, if not, Agapova decision. Nice. I like that a lot. And for for you, was it, was it besides the last fight, was there anything about that Shayna Dobson fight that worried you? Because when I, whenever I think of her now, I immediately think of that fight because obviously that was a huge upset, something that nobody expected. But I, I tend to agree with you. I feel like in this matchup specifically, um, respectfully, I've always hated Marina Rose's striking because everyone is like bills her as a striker. When in reality, mm. she just uh, sort of, well, what I like to say is like she fills the space with punches. Like she's not really punching at like uh, in a in a process oriented way exactly just sort of exactly uh sort of making sure the volume's there um but the process isn't isn't exactly where i i would want it to be um i agree with you i'm leaning on um agapova on this one as well but after seeing something like that like a big upset like that where you see everything sort of crumble does that ever sit in the back of your mind when you're when you're sort of putting money on these fights it does. Um, the the one thing you don't want it to you don't want it to mislead you though. Uh, it's kind of like how, say, just a basketball reference here for those basketball fans out there. If the Warriors lost to the Pistons, who are one of the worst teams, and the Warriors being one of the best teams, if they lost today and then they play again in two days, I'm I'm not gonna bet on the Pistons. There's no way in hell. It's just one of those outliers. When we bet on fights, there's always going to be a couple of outliers in that record. So to me, uh, I'm not too concerned about it. 
Mm-hmm. And of course, the way that Shauna got that victory is not something you would expect Morose to do either. Exactly. Um, but but what what I find interesting in this matchup specifically is I could see Agapova getting to a position where she's bullying Morose and takes her to the ground and ends up in some tough positions with that armbar. Marina Morose has a really good armbar. I think that's something that you should potentially watch out for. And once again, one of those plays that you might want to sprinkle if you if you really don't like Agapova. I know there's a lot mm-hmm. of people that are like that. Um, you, you might want to sprinkle on a play like that, not because, once again, and I said this before, and I, I'm interested to hear what you think about this. A lot of the times, you're not really, whenever I sprinkle on random things like by KO, by submission, it's not really because you're sure it's going to happen. It's more so because the possibility is there and the odds are at a place where they shouldn't be ever. So um, that that's always something I try to factor in. It's kind of like the McKinney by sub last weekend plus 900. Hmm. Never been plus 900. The guy's been coached by Michael Chiesa in grappling. Mm-hmm. Um, usually he finishes his fights by KO or TKO, but it doesn't mean that it's always going to end that way. He's going to have some decisions and some submissions. That's a great shout. That's a great shout for sure. Yeah. And, and funny I mean, enough, when I was previewing the fight, um, that was something I was saying, like, you know, people forget that this guy is a he was ranked in the nation in wrestling when he was in high school. Obviously, that's high school. So people tend to look at that like, oh, that's not a big deal. But but just because it's entire contra- contrary to the way he has been fighting doesn't mean that those skills aren't there. Exactly. Exactly. Sure. And going to, uh, just going back to that Agapova fight. I think every fighter in the UFC has gone through a moment where they lost a fight that maybe they shouldn't have lost. I think that Dobson fight is going to really keep Agapova aware if she were to ever take Moros down or if she was ever on the floor on her back, she's a lot, she's going to be a lot more aware of things. Um, We've seen it with multiple UFC fighters. Once they have that one shock loss where they didn't even think they were going to lose and they come back, with a boatload of experience just coming off of that one loss. So I think she's gonna be her awareness is gonna be on top of it. That's a great point. Another great example of that was last week's card with Islam Mahachev. This was someone who got sparked out by by someone that not a lot of people know in Adriano Martins. And and after that fight, there was this uh, entire transformation on on his approach on the feet. Not even just sort of usually it's funny. Usually when things like that happen, you could see regression in the other way, where now they're sort of afraid or even more timid. Um, But you could see credit to Islam and his team, but this is a huge growth as far as now he has an approach. Back then, there wasn't an approach on the feet. Now it's, it's very methodical. It's kick first. It's corralling you towards that fence with those kicks. Um, in, a, in a way that Khabib never had that option. Khabib never had the option of sort of forcing people to get where he wanted to without that sort of uh, dogged pressure. Obviously, when you got it, you use it. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, really cool to think of that and, and really analyze that because just because something happened a certain way once doesn't mean that that's how it's going to be forever or that they don't know that about themselves. Like some people... Um, obviously are stuck in their ways and you could sort of see that in certain fights. Um, one comes to mind on the main card, which I'm excited to talk about. Uh, that just like that. Yeah, man. Um, so uh, 
there's also the opposite side of that coin where, yeah, there may have been an outlier. There may have been a situation where they got outperformed in a certain area, but now that's sort of become a focus of their game and, and really be, they've been a better well-rounded fighter for it. Hell, I think he is deserving of getting the next shot. So um, really cool note there, but Mm -hmm. anyway, let's move on to another 205 uh, pound bout. We got Nikolai. Yeah, man, another banger. Nikolai Negomeroyanu versus Kennedy and Zetruku. Uh, that's another tough one. Another mouthful right there. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to lie. I haven't done much tape research on this one. Um, what I sort of think about when I'm thinking about these two guys is obviously both of these guys go through hell to get wins. It's not easy. It's not uh, the, the most technical uh, but they got to find their way and take their lumps in order to get there. And I think up to this point in their careers, we've seen that more out of Kennedy. Um, but at the same time, I, I have been impressed by, by Nikolai as far as being able to gut out wins after being in sort of really tough positions. So mm-hmm. me personally, I think I'm leaning towards Kennedy um, just because of octagon experience. I think that that really plays a big factor. Um, but I won't be surprised either way, to be honest. And if it was me, I'll, I'm staying away from this one. So this is going to be one of the fights where I'm looking at value, value side. Okay. Zeku Kennedy, he is very, he leaves himself open to these big punches so often. Kind of like how we saw him get knocked out in his last fight. Mm-hmm. He is... A little reckless when it comes to his striking. Uh, to me, it's just no protection on this chin. Mm-hmm. And Nego Mariano's fight, his last fight, just showed that he will come at you and he'll keep coming at you no matter what. He'll chase you. He will make sure you, <laughs> the fight ends in a knockout or he gets knocked out. A good bet that I'm looking at for this fight, besides value side, is under two and a half rounds. Now you could find that at minus 150 and minus anywhere from minus 150 to minus 180 in some books. To me, I see more value in the Nigger Marianu side. I hope I'm saying that right. And uh, that, that's where I'm leaning. I think he's going to just wreak havoc and Kennedy is just going to leave himself open for that one punch and get slept. Um, to me, this fight is one of the fights where I think the line is a little bit inaccurate. I think it should be more of a pick rather than uh, minus 155 at the moment for Kennedy and my plus 130 for Nick Uh So I'm definitely going to be taking advantage of that little inaccuracy in the line to me. That's a good shout. And, and I, I think if I knew that before, that would have sort of played into my ideology too. I think I'm still, I, I'm, I'm going to leave it as is. I like having a little bit of, of, you know, different picks on the show. You can't, you can't all, all be the same. Yeah. Um, but I think what, what's going to be the, the determining factor of this fight, in my opinion, is not who lands first, because both of these guys are going to land big shots. Um, sort of who, who is getting over eager. And I just based on that Olberg fight that I'm remembering with Kennedy, um, even in those spots, he's very calm in, in a way that you really shouldn't be where, where you're yes. watching the fight and you're like, dude, you got to get out of there. Like, what are you doing? Like, you're, you're letting yourself get hit. 
Um, and obviously not, not what you would recommend for someone to do. Um, but he's shown the ability to get past those spots. Um, so I really feel like w- watch out for, you know, potentially finding yourself in a situation where you're having success early and then you end up gassing because of it, because you're, you're sort of putting that foot on the gas the entire time. Another great point. Yeah. Another great point there. Uh, the one thing is if Nigga Mariano can close in on the distance, then I think he's very live to just win the fight. Uh, mm. I knock out round two, yep. in my opinion. Uh, that's the one advantage I see Kennedy having. He has the height advantage and the reach. He's at 6'5", versus Nigga Mariano is at six foot. Mm-hmm. And uh, reach-wise, 83 inches of reach versus 78. Uh, five inches of reach is a lot, people. Mm. So if Nigga Mariano can smartly dodge and enter in his range i think he won't have any trouble in this fight if he's too scared to enter in the range enter uh, a little bit closer and get those punches off and land because he's gonna be punching a little bit higher uh just due to that five inch and height advantage too uh if he if he isn't scared and he has his game plan right I think he should get the uh, the job done. I think the odds are implying uh, Kennedy as a favorite just because of that height and reach advantage. Mm-hmm. And that's a great shout as well. Uh, reach becomes even more pronounced when you're when you have to aim up because mm-hmm. th- that adds to the to the inches if you really count it up. It's not just um, shoulder to shoulder sort of length. You're you're also you need to reach up to to get to that chin. So it's really good points there. I'm really excited to see how that one plays out and who who gets the better of who because I I'm liking my pick, man. I'm liking my pick. But um, our Let's next see. fight, dude. This so. I feel like a lot of people are sleeping on this fight. I hate that this mm-hmm. fight is on the prelims. Like it should be on the pay-per-view. If you ask 100%. me, 100%. Um, Marina Rodriguez versus Jan Shaunan. Um, I'm, I'm pumped with this fight. Like I really love Marina Rodriguez. I'm a huge fan of her style. Um, I think it really does her a lot, a lot of good in this matchup specifically. Um, having that sort of less less output, more reined in a little bit, um, but really technical, uh, strong style of striking. Um, and, and once again, mixing in those leg kicks, all those good things. Um, I'm a little nervous about Jan Xiaonan's sort of volume. Um, I, I really like her her style as well. Obviously, face force uh, sort of boxing style more so than, than anything else. Um, but her toughness as well, like that's another big aspect that people – undercount um she was getting really dominated by Carla Esparza but really stood in that fight in a, in a lot of ways where, where you you'll find some woman sort of finding a way out uh she really stood tough in that fight but obviously that, that's not that's not what you're you're betting on here for me uh-huh. i think when it comes to this matchup you got to lean Marina Rodriguez because of the all-around game. I could see her potentially getting even some uh, lower body trips and and ending with some top position later on in rounds. Uh, obviously not as a focus, but sort of as something that could be there. Um, and I think Yan Xiaonan tends to have um, those moments where she blindly leads and she ends up sort of following people around the cage. 
And I think in this matchup specifically, I think Marina Rodriguez showed it against Amanda Hebas. If you're just following her, she has the ability to time you beautifully. And I, I think that could be a big problem for Jan in this one. So I'm leaning Marina Rodriguez, but honestly, I won't be surprised if Jan overwhelms her either. This is a really good matchup. As you can see, uh, I'm leaning the same way. Uh, this fight is the I almost to me it's it seems like it's almost identical to that Amanda Hibas fight. Jan is a very similar fighter, boxing heavy, uh, speed, uh, and tries to output a lot more volume. But we saw how Marina Rodriguez just absolutely dominated Amanda Hibas in that fight. She she really took it to her, and she dealt with the volume. She dealt with uh, that very uh, boxing heavy approach really well she was able to get out of the range and get back in uh pretty seamlessly pretty smoothly a lot of people are high on yan jaunan uh just based off of that and based off of the odds uh being at plus she's at plus 200 i believe right now uh let me get a confirmation on that right now yeah she's at plus 205 versus marina rodriguez at minus 255 uh but to me i just the experience of Rodriguez and going through a very similar fight in her last fight. It wasn't like it was a couple fights ago. She's already aware of this style from her last fight. And to me, I actually think Amanda Hebas would beat Yan Jiaonan, but that doesn't always work to where one fighter beats the other and ultimately leads to the same thing. Um, I just think Marina Rodriguez is, she has a very, very uh, good future ahead of her in the UFC. Um, this is going to be an easy fight for her. Awesome. That, that's another interesting angle to it, because I think it's a little closer than that line suggests. Um, so I, I, I'm interested to see this one and how it plays out. But cool that we're on the same side of this one. Mm -hmm. um, so on to the main card now. Uh, we've got Jalen Turner versus Jamie Malarkey. Uh, what are your thoughts on this one? What sort of jumped out at you when you were looking at this one? Uh, th this one is a tough fight. But to me, I'm, I'm leaning Turner here. A um, couple reasons. A lot more sound on the feet. I know Malarkey can uh, withstand a lot of these punches, and he has a good chin. Uh, Turner is an absolute, I call fighters like him a mechanic. They're very technical. They're very detailed. Uh, they know what they're doing at all times, whether it's on the floor, whether it's stand up against the cage, wherever. I think Jalen Turner is one of these fighters that we're going to have. Uh, <laughs> we're going to have around for a long time. And also, he, he's a local boy, uh, Costa Mesa. So I got to support hometown. I like that. I like that. And is this a fight you'll be playing or no? Yeah, I already have a three unit or sorry, 3.9 units on Jalen Turner. Uh, he's at, I got it at minus 130. I believe the line is still the same. He's actually up to a minus 160 right now. So you got it at a good time before before those uh, lines widened a little bit. Um, mm -hmm. I'm going with Jamie Malarkey in this one. And it's not okay. because of just technique or not because of that. I think this fight really leans on the intangibles. I think, once again, as you mentioned, durability is a factor. Whenever you're facing Jamie Malarkey, obviously we've seen him get knocked out, so it's hard to 
to gauge that, you know, which which side shows up. Is it zombie malarkey or is it uh, chinny malarkey? And obviously, um, you want to be in a spot, especially when you're placing a bet, that you're not counting on those things. Like, chinny malarkey could show up, and for the most part, if you're putting money on him, you want to be able to be confident in the fact that he's still going to win. The only reason I'm sort of, in my mind, fading Jalen Turner is I really do think there's something to looking at these guys that are 6'2", 6'3", and fighting at 155 pounds. I think he's shown durability issues, not just in a way of like he gets knocked out quickly, but sort of he gets injured in fights. And and you could see that play out um, where certain shots hit him and there's a big reaction that you don't really necessarily always see on film. Uh, usually, you know, th- that's the main thing to try to keep a poker face. Um, but I found, especially with um, fighters that are, you could tell, are cutting a lot of weight. Um, I feel like durability becomes a big issue. And against somebody that not just is relentless, but also hunts the body. Um, I-, I think that really has me looking at this pick and sort of, I know something that these guys don't know. Um, but I'm not putting any money on this one. I'm staying away from this one. Um, but I think this is going to be another sneaky, really exciting fight uh, that should be awesome to watch. I can't agree more. It's it's also one of my favorite fights on the card. I mean, I, I think I've said this a couple times throughout the show, but this fight is absolutely stacked. Mm-hmm. From the Jacoby fight is opening it up, um, the Negro Moranu fight, the Marina Rodriguez fight, and Turner. Uh, we haven't even gone into the main card yet besides Turner. There's still a couple more. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm really excited. Yeah, man. I, I, I noticed that too. I feel like for the most part, a lot of people give shit to the UFC of saying like, oh, there wasn't a lot of big names. Look at this main card. But it's not just about the names. It's, it's about the matchups and how they deliver. Mm-hmm. And and a lot of people were surprised last week that the fights were so good. I'm like, I wasn't surprised. Like, you see who's fighting. You should be able to know um, that these guys are coming to fight and and the matchup is really what makes it. Um, so yeah, great, great points on that one. Um, this is the fight that I was alluding to earlier, man. Sergey Spivak versus Greg Hardy. Um, so I'm just going to be the first one to say it here. No matter what, I've been fading Greg Hardy his entire UFC run. Even when he was fighting guys that he was sort of made to win. Um, I, I knew immediately from watching his sort of Dana White Tuesday night contender series run that he is a big front runner type fighter where Mm -hmm. that adversity really, really does something to him. Um, So when I saw that um, his fight with Alexander Volkov, I was really surprised not only that he was able to survive the full three rounds, um, but after sort of facing that adversity that he was able to keep it together in a good way. I thought that was very promising of him. Um, I don't think there's anything to sort of hold your hat on by getting knocked out by Ty. I think Ty's going to knock out a lot more people um, on the way to to eventually probably getting a title shot. So no shame in that loss. I think you even heard him big in a way that we haven't really seen from anyone else besides JDS up to this point. So I think the upside is always there just because of the kind of athlete he is. But at the same time, I feel like when you're when when you're considering athletes, especially at that in the heavyweight division, um, a big part of it is character. It's not just the athletic makeup. Ask guys like um, uh, Shane Carwin in that Brock Lesnar matchup. 
that was such a, a specific matchup where you're like, Shane Carmen's going to win this, of course. And he dominated early on, but then Brock was able to come back late in that fight, which is something that not a lot of people expected was in the cards for him. So that's something to really consider in matchups like this because it's not just always about chin. A lot of the times, especially in other divisions besides heavyweight, um, it's also mostly about what can you take versus what can you dish out. So this matchup is really interesting because obviously Sergey Spivak is known for being a dominant wrestler. There's not many of those in that division. <laughs> like, let's just be clear about that. So this is not a matchup that he sees often. Um, and I think that's the big problem in this matchup and why I brought up his character. It's because I really feel like there can be times in this fight where he does hurt Spivak. And because of the kind of fighter he is, where he's willing to come forward and willing to put himself in those positions to get to that takedown, um, I really could see a situation where even if he's winning early or, or finding success, that he could end up in that one spot that really just ends up super bad for him. And I still can't get that fight out of my mind against Marcin Tybora, I believe that's his name, uh, mm-hmm. where the ground game of Greg Hardy spoke volumes. Like it wasn't just um, you're, you're on bottom and you can't get up because they're dominating you. There was a full lack of awareness, a lack of trying even to a certain extent of doing the right thing. Like there's a, there's a lot of issues that he needs to fix on that end. So honestly, I'm surprised that the UFC gave him this matchup with the way they've been matching him up his entire career. Um, I, I would say if you're if you're doing a parlay, you might want to consider Sergey Spivak in that spot because obviously heavyweight is a much more volatile division than any other. But I think those tropes, those matchup sort of dependent um, situations, they 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 fall true regardless of what division you're in. And I think in this matchup specifically, um, even if he hurts Spivak, I, I just can't see him taking him out. Good points brought up. Very good points. Uh, this is a fight where I might have a bet on both fighters, hmm. believe it or not. Kind of like how you said, Spivak and the parlay. But I really feel like there's a lot of value in Greg Hardy here. Just the sheer fact that he is able to knock anyone's lights off with one punch. We, he almost did it against Ty. He was hmm. so close. And at plus 170... That's that's just like a, a treat to me. I'll probably have Spivak, and definitely like you said, he he's a, a very better like a grapple heavy wrestler uh, for that heavyweight division that not a lot of people have seen. But there's always that what if that one punch lands, it's lights out. To me, I was as you could see in the greens highlighted. I was thinking of parlaying Rodriguez and Spivak. And then I'm also going to probably put a unit on Greg Hardy. Um, man, uh, I just see this fight being one of those fights where a lot of people are going to be betting on Hardy. And I'm just waiting on that number to come down a little bit on Spivak. Already locked in that one unit on Hardy at uh, plus 200. And then I'm just waiting on Spivak's number to get a little bit lower. Because right now he's sitting at minus 210. I'm thinking maybe I can get it around minus 190, minus 180, closer to the fight. Once people see how juiced up Greg Hardy is and uh, take advantage of it then. But yeah, very interesting fight. It's it's just a tale of grappler versus um, boxer, pretty much. 
uh, are they going to swing and bang or are they going to just go onto the floor and wrestle it out? And I sure. think Kibak is very live for a submission. Um, I do also think Hardy, like as everyone would know, very live for a KO. Uh, either of those prop bets are good. Um, maybe under two and a half round. You never know. Awesome. So real quick, I just wanted to mention this because when I thought of this fight, I, I thought of a mistake that I made previous. And I think it's important to sort of point it out. So you was mentioning putting money on both guys and how that works out. I wanted to ask you a little bit about that, but let me tell you this first. So when I saw this matchup, I immediately thought of a recent matchup that I got completely wrong. And that was Parker Porter versus Alain Bodeau. So I put money on um, Bodo by knockout in the first round and in the second, very small sprinkles. And then I had my money on either, um, I, I had two bets on Parker Porter, either one by uh, decision, which cashed, but that was the least amount of money that I placed because obviously that line wasn't as good um, versus the submission as well, which I also played. Um, so talk a little bit to the people about how you make those bets work so that it, you end up seeing profit at the end of the day because it, it, it's not intuitive to sort of say I'm betting on both guys we were like what like what, what do you mean so explain to that a little bit and sort of cautioning uh, certain scenarios because when I was first looking at that previous matchup that I mentioned I'm like yeah there's no way if if Alan Badeau wins he's winning by knockout and if Parker Porter wins he's winning either by su submission or decision and the decision ended up playing um, but I ended up leaning a little bit too heavy in places where I shouldn't have um, just because of the sort of attractive lines that were there. Gotcha. Yeah. So here's, here's the thing. These matchups occur very rarely where the line is just everywhere. There's a lot of people that think Spivak's going to win. There's a lot of people that think Hardy's going to win. And when the line is so off based on just public appeal to the fight and a public appeal to the outcome it, it warrants that double bet on both fighters now in my head i as you can see i crossed out greg hardy i initially thought spivak is gonna win was gonna parlay him with marina rodriguez right uh in my head i was gonna do four units on that parlay to win 4.8 units uh, if i'm doing the math correctly now one unit on hardy if the parlay hits, cool, I'm still up 2.8 units. Versus if Spivak loses, I mean, I'm going to be down four units. Hmm. I would rather save some on Hardy, take that little bit of less payout if he does lose, and uh, take less of a hit if he wins, if that makes sense. That's so, just one thing. I just think he's very live to that KO. So do you think it's better to hedge in that way only on parlays, or do you do that on straight plays as well? No, on straight plays, that doesn't make sense. Just because uh, that's just you betting on Spivak and betting on Hardy. It doesn't exactly, really make yeah. too much sense to it. Got you. That's, that's a really good note for the viewers, because I'm sure um, whenever I'm having these sort of issues, it's always like, which way should I lean? I'm thinking this could happen, but also this could happen too. So just trying to have a good sort of money management there and seeing mm -hmm. where, where you could find money. Cause even if it, like you said, even if neither of them play, 
if you still have that parlay and nobody finishes and Sergey gets the decision, that that's your ideal outcome. Like if anything, the, the Hardy pick is Probably really just more. exactly. It's really just almost a just in case because you know that's the way he would win. Now, of course, in my situation, Parker Porter ended up winning by decision, and I'm like, oh. The, we, I saw this coming. I should have put all my money on this rather than all the other things that I sprinkled on, but something to just learn from, from past events. I think that's important. hundred percent, hundred percent. You could have said it better. So what is your official pick in this one? Cause obviously you're betting on both. Official pick Spivak. Gotcha. Now most, most of my picks, I actually wait. Uh, I know these the odds get a little bit worse, but most of the time I wait until after weigh-ins. I like to see how these guys look when they weigh in, if they're completely drained and about to pass out on the scale and still make it. That's a very, very bad indicator for that fighter. And then they start overeating to recompensate and regain a lot of mass and in turn it makes them a lot slower. I'm willing to take the 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 worst odds to get a more confident pick um but my, like i said turner already have done i haven't seen this guy have issues with uh making or missing weight before um but most of my picks actually i submit them right after the weigh-ins on friday just fyi yeah, that's a good, very good point. I think that's something that a lot of people discount. Like you just look at the matchups and you're like, yeah, this is what's going to happen. Um, and then certain things happen, whether it's people missing weight or just looking visibly sh- shaken like that. Mm-hmm. That's a that's a big one, um, especially I find in women's MMA. That's way more apparent than in men's MMA. I don't know if that's mm-hmm. because of other outside factors, whether it might be menstrual cycles or things like that. I'm not trying to assume, but just saying, I feel like whenever, whenever I notice like, oh, wow, like this person is really drawn out for the most part, I find that it's either in women's MMA or people that are known sort of for having those weight issues. Oh yeah. You're spot on. You just threw the dart at the bullseye Mm -hmm. Uh, with women. You could see it. It's very apparent. Um, although it doesn't happen as often. Uh, I'm trying to remember one in the recent, like that happened really recently. I think it might have been like six months ago or something. But yeah, the fighter went on to lose. Mm-hmm. And it's proven multiple times when it comes to uh, these 125, 115, uh, 135 fights. It's, uh, it's a very important factor when it comes to women's MMA, yeah, let man. alone men's. So I'm, I'm mm-hmm. playing both sides here. Especially at that, at, at that lower weight classes too. Like I find, um, if, I mean, just, just do it math. Just think about it in a math way. If, if you're, you're someone that's really struggling to get down to that weight, four pounds at 125 is astronomically bigger than four pounds at 185 pounds because that's yeah. just a it's just a larger percent of your entire body weight so you're, you're cutting way more and of course that could lead to you being more drawn out having more effects on the day of the fight um so that's always something that people should pay attention to for sure and the oh prime example for men's last week zoo wrong my pick was initially zoo wrong mine was too i didn't change though so yeah i'm man i'm sorry you're good you're good 
my initial pick was Zhu Rong for that fight. Great value as an underdog. Mm-hmm. Showed decent striking and had great takedown ability. That weight miss automatically flipped me to Bahamundes. Because I was already pretty torn, but I liked the value. Uh, once I saw the weight miss and I saw how Zurong appeared on the scale, I, yeah, that was a huge factor for me. He looked flat. Uh, he missed by five pounds. He just looked like he didn't want to be there. Mm-hmm. Can you talk about that too? Because I find a lot of people always think if people are missing weight, that they're going to look shredded, that they're going to look like they have nothing left to give. I find the worst weight misses are the opposite, where you could see that they're a little flat. There's a little bit of extra weight there. There's a little bit of flab there. Um, I think that's something to note, really, because if you're having a hard time cutting, it isn't just, oh, you're, you, you weren't able to make the weight because you weren't sitting there long enough. It's because your body's not sweating appropriately. And sometimes you could see that they don't even get to the point where they can look like that, where they're shredded and sort of drawn out in that way. Um, I find that those are really bad when you can see that there's still some shape on these guys or gals and, and they still look drawn out. Like you can see it in their eyes. You can see it in their cheeks. And, and if you look like you have weight to give and you have those symptoms, um, that that's all the signs of a bad weight cut right there. hundred percent. And there's two main reasons why fighters miss weight. A is they're just lazy. They don't diet right. They don't put in too much work. And then B is that reason that you were mentioning. Um, Just overall uh, lack of sweat. And just from being around a couple of different camps, helping out uh, people I train with, it's once a fighter misses weight, say they're five pounds over, their fitness is also affected here. They're not going to be able to last as long which a lot of people feel like oh no they have more weight that means they can last longer they're able to take a bigger hit 90 percent of the time that's wrong that's false um once you miss weight it shows that your body a cannot lose anymore you already pushed it to its limit uh when it comes to the time frame you gave it and the diet you've been feeding it and b being just the overall effort you've been putting in Um, those two factors really affect how a fighter appears and yeah that's that's why i use it for a lot of how can i say this different leans when it comes to weigh-in day if i if my fighter that i pick like say rodriguez comes in and looks amazing cool i'm gonna stick with rodriguez but if she looks like she's about to pass out uh i'm not gonna be as confident i might not lay as much units it's a really good point. So definitely something to keep your eye out for. Um, we're, we're getting close to the main event here, man. I'm getting mm-hmm. excited. These next couple of matchups really got me pumped. Uh, Kevin Holland coming up against Alex Oliveira. Um, I'm not going to lie. I'm a big fan of both of these guys. And for two very different reasons. I love Alex Oliveira because um, <laughs> it's very unpredictable. Uh, it, it's hard to know uh, what, what fighter is going to show up. And, and when he's on, he's on. Like, I, I saw him fight live against Ryan LaFleur where he was able to get that big knockout really out of nowhere. And, and he does things that you wouldn't necessarily, and you would know better about this, you wouldn't necessarily teach someone to do or you wouldn't say that's the right thing to do. Um, but, the, but it ends up working for him in a very spectacular way. 
Um, and on the other hand, I feel like Kevin Holland is a lot more technical than people give him credit for. I think he's somebody that a lot of people, he gets hype on because of the way he sort of talks shit and fights and, and all that and promotes himself, which is all great. Um, but I think a lot of people miss out on the details. And a big example of that was his knockout win over Joaquin Buckley. Just a beautiful straight shot right down the middle. Um, and and something that it's not like that was something he figured out on the fly. He was landing that over and over again throughout the mm -hmm. fight. And it just so happened to be the, the one shot that finished it as well. Um, interested to see that. A, how he looks coming down to 170 because this is his first UFC fight, if I'm not mistaken, at 170. Um, he's had uh, fights before at 170. I believe he fought um, Jeff Neal on the regional circuit, yeah. which is a good shout. Uh, obviously, a great fighter. I love Jeff Neal. Um, but I think he's really big for this weight class, which obviously, I mean, both of these guys are huge for this weight class. Um, and, and funny enough, I, Alex Oliver used to fight at 155 too, which is so crazy for me to think about because yeah. he looks so big now at 170. Um, but in this matchup, I, I, I gave a lot of setup there. It's only right. Um, I personally was when, as I'm thinking about this, I'm leaning Kevin Holland and I'm like, based on all the intangibles, based on the way I'm looking at it, I think I'm going to go with Kevin Holland, but you know what? I'm going with Alex Oliveira here. I really feel like the, the body work mixed in with this being his first um, UFC fight at welterweight. I think that it could really sort of wear on Kevin Holland throughout the fight. And we've seen him in a lot of spots. The Tiago Santos fight comes to mind where he finds himself on bottom and he's sitting there talking shit instead of trying to work his way up. Um, even though obviously he's credited as being a, a brown belt under Travis Luter and, and known for having a good ground game. Um, I feel like that's a weakness in his game. So um, I'm going with Alex Oliveira, not a confident pick at all. Um, more so based on intangibles, but matchup wise, that's what I'm thinking. I'm loving value town here. I'm loving value town. This was the fighter that uh, this fight is going to be, it could go two ways and it's going to be based off of Oliveira's decision, whether he's going to actually shoot for these takedowns and succeed, or if he's just going to stay in stand and bang with Holland, which I don't think he should do. I'm on Oliveira here. I uh, haven't locked it in yet, but a couple things. Holland, we've seen terrible ground game from him. Uh, doesn't have any get up game. Uh, we've seen him just get dominated once he gets taken down. And the only, <laughs> the only times he can get up is if the ref stands him up for inactivity or if the round ends. Uh, Oliveira has some decent ground game. Uh, I just think that if he does go through that grappling approach, Oliveira takes this fight. And as it's sitting right now at plus 230, I, I love that value. I definitely want to take that. Uh, I don't think Holland should be a minus 300 favorite, especially since it's his first fight at 170. I think he might have some trouble with this weight cut. I could be wrong. Um, I just think that too many factors uh, are pointing me in the direction of Oliveira here. The weight cut, uh, first fight at 170 in the UFC, I believe, and then Oliveira just having decent grappling and if, just also experience. We're forgetting to mention experience here. Mm -hmm. 
So my my pick is Oliveira on this one. I'm probably going to throw a unit on it uh, after weigh-ins, but we'll see. Um, that's that's where I'm leaning. I don't think I'm going to do anything on a haul in this event at all. Dude, I'm so surprised. I I, I thought I was going to be picking Sun out of the blue there. Um, so Sun, I wanted to ask you. I didn't know the line before we talked about the matchup. Do you find that sometimes the line really reinforces your read on things sometimes, and and it could be in a negative way. Uh, do you find that at all? Because I I find it for myself where I'm looking at at the matchup. And I could see certain avenues, but then I see the line and I'm like, yeah, I'm definitely picking this person because the value is there. And I already sort of talked myself into some scenarios where they could win. Um, I try not to let it affect me like that. That's why I usually like to do these little uh, cards where I X out the faces and pick my winner before I even look at lines, mm-hmm. just so I'm. I know I'm not biased towards a certain line. Um, to me, that that's what stood out to me when I looked at this fight. I just can't get past A, first fight at 170, uh, B, the experience of Oliveira, the ground game, and that Holland just has no ground game. It's very, like, I can relate it. I'm not going to say that Oliveira is Armin Sarukian, but Sarukian uh, Alvarez, no ground game versus well, elite ground game in Sarukian's case, but Oliveira has some decent ground game. Um, I'm definitely willing to take a stab at a unit for this, for sure, to win 2.3, if that's if it doesn't get better or worse by then. It's something that I will take happily any day of the week. For sure. Good shout, man. Good shout. Um, So, yeah, that's another one that we're on the same page with, which I like. I think we've only had two so far that we... No, three that we really disagreed on um so this one i'm gonna let you take it away because i was really surprised to see your pick because i've been seeing a lot of people who who give their shouts really heavy on barboza here and i understand because of the line once again sort of letting the line impact you uh what's mm-hmm. your thoughts on this matchup and and why are you leading towards bryce mitchell so this is probably my most exciting fight for the evening. um it's your typical striker versus grappler matchup and more often than not, grapplers do win this matchup. Now, the one thing you want to see is, is a striker a little bit more skilled in striking than the grappler? In this case, they're both elite at what they do. And I'm not saying Bryce Mitchell can't stand and bang, because he can. He has hands. But he's more known for his wrestling dominance. Uh, similar to how we saw Jonathan Pierce uh, two weeks ago. Uh, absolutely dominant wrestling we haven't seen anything when that it comes to grappling or wrestling from barboza at all so i just think mitchell at minus 150 only minus 150 is just a steal here mm-hmm. uh i think he's just gonna take him down and bully him all three rounds so i just i don't see a path to victory for barboza because he doesn't have that strong uh power punch uh, always, I would say. I mean, he has a couple of knockouts in his career, but I don't think he knocks out Bryce Mitchell here. Um, he's more known for his volume. And, uh, yeah, pretty confident in this Mitchell pick here. I already ha- That's my only other pick besides Jalen Turner that I already have locked in at minus 130 for three units. Nice. That's a really good shout. So when I looked at this matchup, a big part of it for me was 
I, I agree. First of all, I'm on Bryce Mitchell in this one. And my reasoning behind it is, and I know this might sound strange because it's two different weight classes, two different builds, two different styles almost, but that Kevin Lee fight really, really imprinted a lot of things in my head about um, the kind of fighter that Barboza is. And firstly, um, the, the having issues with guys sort of pressuring that that's a big problem in this matchup. I mean, Bryce Mitchell, even when he shouldn't be sometimes, uh, really pushes pushes the pace and is sort of willing to take some hits to get into that grappling range. In this matchup, obviously, that's not what he wants to do. I think we'll see a more measured approach from Bryce. Uh, but at the same time, pressuring is what he does. That's not going to be um, a, a question that you have at all. Um, and I think in in that dynamic, it's safe to say, you know, with guys like Khabib, with guys in matchups like that. Uh, we've seen this sort of play out in Barboza's career many times. Obviously, he's always live to knock anybody out. Like, that. let's not make mm -hmm. a mistake about that. If you're putting money on that, I respect it. It makes sense, 100%. But for me, I find, you know, a much more replic replicable way to win is with that pressure, with that dominant grappling, I'll be really surprised, honestly, if this fight is sort of a back and forth fight. I think mm -hmm. as soon as the first round is up, for the most part, we're going to know who's going to win. And, and it's really going to be apparent. Um, I, I, that's what makes this exciting for me, because, yeah, of course, um, both guys are trying to implement their game. But it's not just that. It's really about, you know, in my opinion, across Barboza's career, I think he tends to be a little bit of a front runner. Where if he's if he's given that space, if he has that distance, he he looks like a world beater. He looks like nobody could stop him, and and you can't do anything to stop those kicks from coming. But when he's on that back foot and retreating, you can really see a difference in demeanor. Um, and against a guy like Bryce Mitchell, you don't want to have those flaws. So I, I'm going with Bryce Mitchell too. Yeah, it's we saw a similar fight uh, last weekend with Bobby Green and Islam Makhachev. Mm -hmm. Bobby Green is a very free-flowing striker. But we saw him take his approach a little differently, even though we didn't see much of that fight just end in the first round. Mm -hmm. He was a lot more cautious to throw because of that takedown. But what ended up happening? He took him down. He dominated him. TKO, round one. Not saying that's going to happen this time. Uh, you can't compare Bryce Mitchell's grappling to Islam Makhachev because Makhachev is just on a different level. But I see this fight going very, very similar to that fight, <laughs> where I take him down, stays there, uh, no matter how much he tries to get up, no matter how much he tries to scramble. I, Mitchell is like a leech. Uh, and I've watched him from the, the Ultimate Fighters days. Mm -hmm. uh, I watched that season where he was on it. And he was, same, same approach. He was standing and banging with people. He could strike. He's don't underestimate his striking, but I don't think he's going to lean towards that, just knowing what Barboza is capable of. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, Mitchell here, very confident. Nice. I like that a lot. And, and yeah, I'm not saying he's a bad striker. He's an active striker, um, but it's all sort of serving the purpose of getting you into a position that is better to take you down, uh, which in this matchup is just fascinating because obviously – he could end up in a scenario where he's getting kicked low and he's getting, he's taking leg kicks. And now you're sort of forced to be at that range 
And that's nothing but problems uh, for Bryce Mitchell, if you ask me. Yep. So um, that's why I say, like, this one, you're really going to know after the first round which way is going to head, and it's probably going to stay that way. So I'm, I'm looking forward to this one. But all right. And Moicano. Okay. Dude. So this is a matchup we just got today. So we're recording this on Tuesday. Uh, this is a matchup we just got today. And it was originally Fizier versus Dos Anjos, which is a fight I definitely had a much better handle on. Um, I feel like ever since Henato's moved up to 155, I've had so many issues trying to like figure out which way <laughs> I should look at his game. Because uh, in a lot of ways... I'll end up picking against him in matchups where he ends up winning. And then I'll end up picking for him in matchups where he has trouble. So um, this one's a little bit hard for me to read. I'm a big fan of Dos Anjos, obviously the OGs. We, we love, we love us some guys that are consistent that show up and do the damn job. And, and if there's anyone that comes to mind, when you think of that is Rafael Dos Anjos um, love watching him fight. The first time I watched him fight uh, was against Anthony Pettis where he won the title. And, and since that moment, um, not that he, not that all his fights are similar, but since that moment, um, I was really impressed by his ability to sort of take, take the fight out of people that are known for being flashy just by be, just by being persistent and staying mm -hmm. on them and, and finding his spots. So in this matchup, I think, first of all, the fact that this is short notice for Hanato, there's nothing but uh, good that could come on his side of this. There's no pressure on his mind. Uh, going up against a former champion. And that's really hard to find. Usually, I, I think if you had more of a camp in a way, that sort of changes the dynamic of this fight, I would argue, just because it, you're you're not just, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll step in and fight him. You're, you're, you got to think about that. You got you to consider I'm fighting a, a former champion. This isn't just like some something that got thrown together. So yeah. I thought his last fight against Alexander Hernandez, I was entirely surprised. I thought Hernandez was going to win that. Um, obviously, Hinato's process has always been stronger than Hernandez's, but I thought the, dyna the dynamic sort of striking and, and the ability to sort of hit hard and get out was going to be the key for Alexander Hernandez. Obviously, we saw how the way that one went. And I've been really impressed by his strength, moving up a division and carrying that strength over. Usually that doesn't happen. Uh, usually it's hard to, to see guys sort of move up in weight and hold that advantage in that new weight class. So what freaks me out about this matchup is I could see a scenario where Morcano is getting early takedowns and we're like, damn, like they, they, <laughs> this is easier than anybody thought it could be. Um, sort of like a Benil Darius, Tony Ferguson situation where we're like, how, how did we ever think it would go another way? Um, mm -hmm. But because it's on short notice, that really makes me wonder, like, how is his gas? Is he able to keep up a game plan like that? And against someone who is willing to push you up against the fence and grind you out, uh, you don't want to be coming in on short notice. I asked Paul Felder. Um, that was a matchup that didn't work well for him for a lot of reasons, but specifically, in my opinion, because it was on short notice. Um, so the more I think about this one, fascinatingly enough, I'm leaning towards Hinato Moicano. Um, but given my past sort of analysis of his career, I would say if anyone's listening, run to the bookie right now and put something on Dos Anjos. <laughs> Very interesting analysis there. Um, 
surprisingly enough, I think this is going to be a very easy fight for Dos Anjos. Multiple reasons. I think Dos Anjos just favors that 160, 165 range. Mm-hmm. He, he's always asked for it. He wants to fight at that weight. So A, he's fighting at that weight, catch weight. Mm-hmm. B, uh, you said it, 10 days notice, or sorry, less than 10 days uh, for Moicano. He just fought against Alexander Hernandez, where I also had the wrong pick there. Uh, I was going for Hernandez, and Hernandez showed well in the striking game, but overall power just isn't there. Now, I do expect Moicano to be a little bit slower coming off of that one fight, that one win, um, also short notice, even though it's only been like, what, a week and a half. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just don't think uh, they, I don't think he has a chance. Now, odds right now are minus 180 for Dos Anjos, plus 150 for Moicano. I don't have an official pick for this one just yet. Uh, I still need to do a little bit more tape. The one sketchy thing for me about Dos Anjos is that 16-month layoff. I usually don't like that when I bet on fighters. But against someone with Dos Anjos' experience, it doesn't matter as much as when you're betting on someone with four or five fights in the UFC to their name. And Dos Anjos being a former champion, I'm sure he knows how to handle himself pretty well. So we'll see. This is going to be a very interesting one. Um, the only thing is I might I might lay a little bit on Dos Anjos. Just have to wait. I need to do more tape on this. Uh, but my my lean here is Dos Anjos. Okay, that's a great shout. And I'm going to leave my official pick as Moicano, even though um, for all the reasons that I said that I might not cash. But um, I think even even at the preferred weight, he has a real problem against grapplers and, and people that are willing to sort of implement that game plan. Cause it's like, Hey, this is what I do. <laughs> like if you could do it yeah. better than me, I, I'm, I'm going to run into some trouble. Uh, so I, I think this is another matchup that after that first round, we're going to, we're going to know how, how alive of a underdog Moicano is. And um, there may even be some live betting opportunities on this one where um, you could see that sort of early success for one one guy leaning towards um, an eventual sort of shift. So something to look out for, um, more so than other matchups, in my opinion. Understandably, yeah, I do see that. So now I got to ask you, because I know you probably, you probably still uh, need to do some study on this one too, but I, I just got to hear your take on this main event and what you're leaning towards, how you feel about it. Well, what's your thoughts on this one? No more studying needed. Covington. Nice. Nice. Okay. And what? And, what, and was it like that when you first looked at the picks? Like when you first saw the matchup, that's how you felt as well? Yes. Uh-huh. Covington. Um, multiple reasons. Uh, those two fights with Kamaru Usman alone are probably a lot more meaningful than the recent experience that Masvidal has. Masvidal has shown to not have he can't take a punch as well as Covington can you're not going to knock a guy like Covington out nine times out of ten we saw uh, Usman he had to break his jaw he still wouldn't go out the guy was still fighting and those were close fights even I scored all of those fights to Usman don't get me wrong 
but those were close fights where Covington was not backing off. And an interesting fact that I read the other day, Masvidal in his last, whenever he faced someone that shoots 10 or more takedowns in the last four fights, he's one and three. Colby Covington shoots 15 plus takedowns every single fight. Which is so, insane, by the way. Important yeah, to mention that. It's it's absolutely absurd. So heavy lean towards Covington here. Uh, depending on how the night's going, like this might be a, a bet that I do very last minute. If I'm up big that night, I'm probably going to do this where I'm going to put six units on Covington just due to sheer confidence here. Now, I'm very situational when it comes to those kind of bets just because uh, I don't want to overextend myself into a position where I don't need to be. I still think Masvidal is very live for a KO here. Um, I just don't see it happening. It's live. Um, he's shown that he's able to knock people out. Just I don't think he's going to be able to keep up with Covington and his wrestling. And I just feel like he's going to be playing catch up. Just that volume is insane. Covington throws so much volume and he doesn't get tired. He fights as if it's round one and round five. I don't think Masvidal can keep up with that. So I'm all in Covington here. I agree. That's a really good point. Uh, I'm, a couple things that I noticed and that I sort of leaned on. But as soon as they announced this fight, I'm a huge Masvidal fan. I'll admit that. This goes back. I'm not a bandwagon, okay? This goes back to when he fought uh, Benson Henderson in uh, Korea. And that, that was a long time ago. I mm -hmm. think 2015 or something like that. And, and, and everyone that's hearing this that watched that fight is like, why did that make you a fan of Masvidal? <laughs> that fight sucked. But um, I just really feel like I'm a fan of his game. I'm a fan of his process. Even when it wasn't leading to knockouts, I think he's someone that has sort of a, an approach that's more modern. And, that, and I know that's weird to say, um, but especially at that time, compared to now like a lot of people fight in the way that that he does with that range and sort of using all the tools finding the way to win versus forcing your game like he's very adaptable he's not he's not someone that all his matchups look the same he, he comes in with a very tailored game plan to do certain things and that's why in this matchup immediately i thought yeah this is a terrible matchup for my guy like this this sucks a hundred percent, I was leaning towards Covington. But the only thing that really has me sort of feeling like this is liver than it should be is I think there's really something to the fact that they were huge teammates and huge friends and that they know a lot about each other. I think that really is, for Masvidal specifically, I think that's huge because in a matchup where you know what to expect, you know what's going to come, you, you've trained against it for many years, you know what his go-to moves are in that way, um, I think that adds another layer to looking at the fight and really changes the way I look at it. So I don't have the balls to go for Masvidal, I really don't, um, just because the way the styles line up. Um, but I could see him having early success specifically just because he's very familiar with the matchup. And I think against mm -hmm. someone where you're having all these troubles against stylistically opponents like him, 
um, having as much knowledge as possible can only help you in those exchanges. So I'm super excited about this fight, even though it seems so one-sided on paper. Um, but something I wanted to ask you is in a situation like this, where you find yourself overconfident or, or like really leaning towards one fighter, do you go for the outright decision bet? Or is it just a money line thing? Do you try to find the value in a buy decision for Covington versus uh, just putting it on the money line? Um, great question. That has burned me in the past. Uh, trying to predict something where I just stick to a prediction of decision, KO, submission has burned me a lot more than just going for the money line, even though it's super chalky. It's at minus 300, super chalky. Yeah, minus 315, just jumped. Um, maybe I'll do a sprinkle on the decision. Mm -hmm. Maybe I'll do a sprinkle on the TKO, but most of my money will be going on the decision here. Oh, sorry, not the decision, the money line. Forgive me. Gotcha. Um, I like how you brought up the point of knowing the fighter that's in front of you due to them being in, like, they used to be on the same team. But I think there's a lot of years. I think these, both these fighters have changed so much Colby specifically to the point where I don't think that's a factor anymore. Mm -hmm. Just because I don't think the Colby of four or five years ago is the same Colby. And he like the same Colby that there is right now. Those two fights from Usman alone can give you 10 years of experience. And those training camps were probably grueling. Um, that's also another point for me. Um, my, it's funny that you mentioned that too, because my friend brought that up to me today and I told him the same thing. Those two Usman fights alone, someone can gain so much experience from them that I just don't think it's a factor at this point. I think Covington actually has the upper hand when it comes to uh, experience between him leaving uh, American Top Team to where he's at right now versus Colby, uh, so versus uh, Jorge. So interesting fight. I don't think I've ever been this excited uh, about a main event, about a UFC event in a while. Uh, not even the Nganu fight, and he is by far my favorite fighter mm -hmm. uh this is going to be very interesting i always love the rival matchup the best friend turn enemy type of matchups just because they pose so much uh entertainment value and so much hype around them it's like stuff like this leading up to it doing podcasts watching stuff the even the the <laughs> the not press conference what's the word i'm looking for the interview with Stephen A. Smith they did today. And that was hilarious. Stuff like that just amps me up. And you could see the passion flowing through Colby. And he's he's mad. Colby's mad and Masvidal's trying to get under his skin more and more. But I just don't see it happening. Yeah, man. He don't let don't ever let you forget it. Colby's got two lungs. He's not afraid to use them. I found lungs. that I found that hilarious. <laughs> when, I'm like, dude, you know we all got two lungs, right? Um <laughs> But yeah, I love the analysis, man. I think this this fight is going to be really fun. I think it's really funny that you mentioned, you know, that those two fights are big on experience. Masvidal's fought, fought him two times in that same span as well. So you could say that for both of them. But the key difference, like you said, is the performance in those fights and the success that Colby was able to have where 
in my opinion, there's not really a round that you could argue Jorge won. There's rounds that you can argue that Colby took from um, Usman. Not that he won, not that he point fighted. He took those rounds from Usman. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't think there's any other fighter that could really say that um, when fighting Usman besides um, Gilbert Burns in that first fight, and it was just one. So oh, yeah, uh, really, like you said, I hate I hate that I'm impressed by Colby just because of the character he is, but um, I have been very impressed by his strides, um, especially in the striking. I think the first time it really stood out to me was in that Robbie Lawler matchup, where he mm-hmm. was three steps ahead of of Robbie Lawler, especially in the combination striking, finding um, his range again, which for a wrestler isn't intuitive. A lot of the times they want to crash in. Um, but you see he's disciplined in knowing when to do the, the one or the other, which I, which I think is really going to pay dividends in this matchup specifically. I'm pumped, man. I think yeah. I'm not surprised. I won't be surprised if either guy wins dominantly, if, if either guy um, has to come back from adversity. Like, I really feel like there's a lot of ways this could play out that people aren't really expecting. I can't agree more. Can't agree more. It's going to be an absolute dogfight, mm-hmm. and I, I'm just so excited. <laughs> I, I'm just counting down the days. It's just, mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't understand how the UFC could make fights this good with this like story, with this much hate. Because we saw with the the Ngannou and Gan fight, there was barely any hate. I was at the press conference here. It was in Anaheim. It was like down the street from me. I went there. It's like you don't really feel so much hate. Uh, th- there was a lot more hate in the Figueredo and Moreno fight, mm. and uh, yeah, I just can't wait. This is gonna be very good. Uh, yeah, I'm trying not to smile this much, but <laughs> as you can see, I can't hold it in. Yeah, I can't blame you, dude. I can't blame you. So make sure you check out um, the MMA wizard on Twitter. Once again, that's two Z's so that you get those official picks on Friday so that you get the right word. Um, and that you really see, man, this guy knows what the hell he's talking about. It isn't just making a pick and hoping it, it, it plays out. There's a lot of factors that goes into this and it's been really cool to pick your mind. Um, I'd love to have you on again at some point, man. That'd be really fun. I had a great time today. Uh, thank you for coming on. Why don't you let the people know a little bit more about what you got in store moving forward? And um, do you have any other social media handles besides Twitter that you want people to go to? Mainly just Twitter at the moment. I'm in, I'm probably going to make a Instagram page really soon. Um, probably with the same handle. It's at MMA whiz. That's with two Z's at the end. Um, just looking forward to growing this page and being more involved in the community and eventually I can have a podcast like yours. Just thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. Yeah, man. It was nothing but fun. Can't complain at all. Don't regret it at all. This has been awesome. And I think really, really got me thinking how, how I'm going to do this every week. Cause it's a lot of work. Don't get me wrong. Um, but, mm-hmm. but thinking about this versus just thinking about um, old school MMA events, it adds another layer. Cause I'm always looking forward to these fights anyway. So why not talk about it? Cause exactly. clearly, Clearly, for the most part, I, I know every one of these fighters on these cards. So uh, a lot to talk about there, which is always fun. But 
as always, you can find me on Twitter at Negron MMA, as well as on Instagram at Chris Negron underscore. Got a lot of big things coming up. Obviously, the, the um, sideline guys coming every week. As you know, we cover MMA, football, basketball, all the main sports. And this podcast, which I'm looking forward to covering Pride FC, man, that's one of my favorite promotions. I'm a huge fan of Risen now, which obviously uh, Sakaki Barra is a part of that. So they're they're similar, even though they're not the same promotion. I'm really excited to watch back the first Pride event because I've never watched none of these shows. Um, I can't wait to check it out. And at this point, you probably, you guys probably already heard me talk about it, but I'm looking forward to that. And that's what's coming next week. So thank you so much for tuning in. Don't forget to follow the brand, OTS Media Co. You can catch us on YouTube at OTS Media. We got so many things on so many different sports, basketball, football. We got comic book um, sort of analysis on movies. We got regular movie analysis. We have um, pop culture. And this is your one-stop shop for news. Please check us out on all platforms, OTS Media Co. Once again, thank you so much, you guys, for tuning in. Looking forward to seeing you guys again next week. Have a good one. See you guys.